Just when I finally found fifteen minutes for myself, the dead man came to the door. Not that he looked dead. In fact, he was lively looking, tall and thin, with dark hair shot with gray. He was nicely dressed in khakis and a blue polo shirt. Only the scar on his cheek kept him from looking distinguished. Instead, it made him look rakish, like a James Bond wannabe who might be a good guy to have on your side in a bar fight. And he was smiling widely enough to display canine teeth, which gave him a wolfish look. A blue Ford pickup truck was parked behind him in our sandy lane. It was pointed toward Lakeshore Drive, which showed he'd come around from 88th Street, driving into our semi-rural neighborhood by the back road and coming past our neighbor's house. Despite this hint that he knew the territory, the man had proved he was a stranger by coming to the front door. All our friends and relations come in through the kitchen. He showed up about eleven o'clock on a miserably hot Monday in the second week of July. I wasn't at all happy to hear a knock. For once, our five house guests were all occupied elsewhere at the same time, and I wasn't due at Ten High's Chocolade, where a major chocolate crisis was underway, until one. I had been enjoying having a moment alone. I peeked through the screen door cautiously. We rarely get salesmen, but I didn't know of anyone else who might come by without phoning ahead. Yes? The man's grin seemed familiar, though I was sure I didn't know him. Hi. Are you Mrs. Woodyard? Mrs. Joe Woodyard? Yes, I answered confidently, though I'd had that title for less than three months. I don't suppose your husband is home. I expect him shortly. By that I meant in an hour, but I wasn't going to tell a stranger too much. Oh, should I wait? Or I can come back. His schedule is indelicate. Yikes. I'd twisted my tongue in a knot, as usual. I mean, indefinite, I said. His schedule is indefinite. Can I give him a message? Well, the stranger sighed deeply, then smiled again, showing those wolfish eye teeth. I guess you could tell him his father came by, he said. I remember staring at him for at least thirty seconds before I answered. I'll tell him, I said. Then I slammed the door. The real, solid door, not the screen door. And I turned the deadbolt above the handle. I moved away from the door. But the man on the porch was still clearly visible through the window. I knew he could see me, too, if he glanced inside. I didn't like that idea so I went around the fireplace and stood at the bottom of the stairs. This seemed more subtle than slamming our antique casement windows shut and yanking the curtains closed. Now the stranger couldn't see me lurking behind the fireplace, but I couldn't see him either. And I found that I wanted to keep an eye on him.
Where could I hide and watch him? Hide? Why did I have the impulse to hide? The idea was absurd. Why should the idea of someone claiming to be Joe's father make me look for a closet to duck into? So, I moved out into the living room. I didn't hide, but I did stay near the fireplace, away from the windows, where a person walking casually through the yard wouldn't be able to easily see me. If the man looked in through a window, I decided, I'd call the police. Of course, if he wanted to get into the house, I had no way of stopping him short of hitting him with a fireplace poker. I had locked the front door, but our house, built in 1904, has no air conditioning.